Well, good morning. It's a great privilege and pleasure to be with you this morning as we uh, open up into a, the Bible to see what God has to say to us this morning. In fact, we're in a brand new series called Amazing Grace, and uh, this series has is, is already been awesome. We kicked it off last week, and this is the second part of the series, and uh, I, I want to encourage you not to miss a week of this, and if you do miss a week of it, I want to encourage you to hop online and watch it, because this, this series in particular faces a, a, a problem, it addresses a problem that all of us face, each and every one of us in here, and it provides God's answer to that problem. And so that's what we're looking at here in each one of the parts of this series. And so I want to encourage you not to miss a week of that. So uh, if you're new here today, my name is Pastor Brad, and I'm the worship arts pastor here. And uh, it's just been a, a great time of worship with all of you this morning. But today, I, I'm excited to bring the word in and just want to talk to you a little bit about myself. I am an avid reader. I love to read. In fact, um, I, I studied my personality profile the other day. I'm sure that many of you would think that's thrilling, all right? But, but I, for me, it's like I enjoy knowing why I tick. And so, um, and actually, I found out why I enjoy it because I read this. And so, what I found out is that I feel the most useful when I am the most resourceful. In other words, I live into my purpose whenever I can be the most helpful in any given situation. So, that, that is just part of my personality, it was right there on the page, and I went, yep, that's me. That's me absolutely to a T. In fact, it drives me so much to read so much and to just research all the time about trends that are happening in various areas of, of, of life in general. But in two particular areas that directly affect my life, I spend a lot of time researching and looking at trends and, and, and studying those things. And the two areas are ministry and technology. Uh, ministry because I'm involved in ministry and technology just because I'm wired that way. God has wired me to love both ministry and technology and to try to bring the two together as much as I possibly can to proclaim the gospel message as far out as we can get it. And so God has given me a particular gifting to, to do that. And I'm excited to use that gift. But, uh, but so as I, as I pick up magazines and, and go through all of these things, there are a couple of magazines that have been very influential to me. And the first one is Christianity Today. In fact, Christianity Today, uh, I, I get it in the mail once a month, and it comes, and, and I open it up, and, I, and I'll leave through it. Now, Christianity Today, if you're not familiar with the magazine, I'm just going to call it CT because there are too many syllables in Christianity Today, okay? Um, so so CT, CT studies the trends in, in the Christian arena. So they, they give you news on Christian events throughout the world, and they also do a lot of research about trends that are happening in the church and trends that are happening in ministry and all these kinds of things that I think are awesome and you probably are all like, boo, you know, so, so uh, but, I, but I love it. And so this week, actually, Christianity Today came in the mail and uh, as I was leafing through it, I leafed to an infographic uh, that immediately caught my attention and it said this, who makes the Bible go viral? Who makes the Bible go viral? Viral. Now, before you think that uh, you're going to get really sick with the Bible, um, that's not what the word viral means, okay? And immediately, because I knew that term from the web, the, if you know anything about the web, you've probably seen stupid videos that are just going crazy on the web. That's what's called going viral. You know, everybody's seen it kind of a thing. And so I immediately was drawn to this because I knew, number one, it was, it was talking about the Bible, which is very interesting to me and very important to me in my life. And it was talking about something going viral, which means that it was automatically connected to some kind of distribution platform of technology. So I read, started reading down through the list, and, and what they did is they went to an organization called openbible.info, and they asked them to 
research trends on Twitter. Now, if you're not sure what Twitter is and you've been thinking it doesn't really exist, it really does. Uh, it's a website where people can go and post their views or their opinions about life and work and, and just about anything else they want to say in about 140 characters or less per post. That's what Twitter is. And so it's a really great uh, place to share ideas and, and just the Word of God as, as we saw here in this, um, in this study. And so what they did is they went through Twitter and said, how, how many users were tweeting about the Bible and, and what were the top 20 Bible you know, sharers, that's what they call them, in 2014. And interestingly enough, at the top of the list was a guy named John Piper. Now, some of you might know John Piper. John Piper is a pastor, was a pastor, I should say, in, in Minneapolis, and now he's working for an organization called Desiring God. And he's a guy I follow very closely because he's, he's very wise, very smart, very brilliant, and uh, just, man, he's a, he's a man of God. And it just pierces my heart. But he shared the Bible the most in 2014. Now, this is crazy, all right? He shared... Tweets about, that's what they call these posts, tweets, okay? Tweets about the Bible, they were scripture verses, quotes that he shared from the Bible, 105,836 times, okay? So I decided yesterday, how many is that per day? Because that just seems ridiculous. It's 289.4 tweets a day. Now, I don't know how you do .4 tweets. You must stop halfway through and pick it up in the morning. I don't know. But, but, the, but the reality is that's, that's crazy. But he is such a Bible-saturated man, he just, it just pours out of him. And so I was really interested in this list, and I was reading down through it, and I thought, oh, there's, you know, Rick Warren. That makes sense. Joyce Meyer, Jeremy Camp, okay? Dave Ramsey, you know, he's number 10 with 28,000. That's incredible. But I got down below that, and they hit something that really piqued my interest. It says, the most popular verses shared on Twitter in 2014. And I thought, man, this is great because Twitter is a very unique organization. They have a smattering of people from around the world. And so to post something on Twitter, if something goes viral on Twitter, it kind of is showing either uh, something that's just ridiculously dumb or something that's really, really important. Okay, and so whatever gets repeated on Twitter in the, in the world shows what people are kind of thinking, what they're facing. But in particular, I love the, uh, this idea of, of sharing or finding out what the most shared and most popular Bible verses were because it tells us what people are thinking and feeling about God and what issues they're facing in their lives. And so I went down, started, you know, go down through this list and look at some of the verses. And then I, I grabbed my Bible and I, I started reading through them. And I just thought it was incredible. You know, you look here at Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It was the most tweeted or the most posted scripture verse on Twitter in 2014 at 613,161 times. And Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's a very, very important passage for a lot of people. And you can see that up here on the, on the screen. The next one is 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 7, and it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And it was retweeted or tweeted 261,417 times. Then the next one in the number three spot was Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Now, you've probably heard this one before. You've probably heard the other ones too, even if you're not a follower of Jesus at some point. But you've probably definitely heard Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Because somebody, I know somebody's probably given you a card in it, and, and you've, you're going to see it right here. Okay, it's Hallmark right here. All right? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Now, that might be Hallmark, but it's the Bible, right? And that's incredibly powerful. And so it was the number three spot. Then the number four spot was John chapter uh, 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. And that one, I mean, this is amazing. That one was shared 212,883 times. It's incredible. It's incredible. You see, those, in the, just those top four, we can see that people are dealing with fear and anxiety in their life. And they need to know that there's a God who can handle the impossible that they're facing. And they need to know that there's a God who cares about them. In fact, I love 1 Peter 5, verse 7, because it says, cast all your worries on God because he cares about you. And then it says, don't lean on your own understanding. So people are looking for wisdom. And then in John chapter 14, verse 6, we kind of see those people who have trusted Jesus who are saying to everybody else, listen, you need to trust Jesus because it's the most important thing in your life. It's what you've been missing. And then we come to this very strange Bible passage. All right, And I say it's strange because it's something that I don't think would ever make the top 10 on any list of anything that has to do with the Bible until I read it. John chapter 13, verse 7. Now, just out of curiosity, does anybody know that? John chapter 13, verse 7, just by memory? Put your hand down. You were here last night. <laughs> just, just for the record, he didn't know that last night, all right? By memory, he knew it, but not, but not by memory. So John chapter 13, verse 7, okay? It's amazing. And it was the number five most tweeted about Scripture in the whole world. And hardly any of us know what it says. And I want to read it to you. It was tweeted 207,084 times. Here's what it says. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. You do not understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. Now, this verse just seems so obscure. It really does. To be on a top ten list of the most popular verses really in the world. The verses that have meant something to people. But after you read it, you go, yep, I get it. I get it. And this is where I want to kind of camp out today as we talk about the grace of of God. Because I think a lot of us, when we are dealing with whether or not God's real, whether or not there really is truth, real truth in the world, or even if we've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, sometimes we just don't understand what is going on in our lives. And I want you to hear Jesus today saying, listen, you don't understand what's going on now, but someday you will. Now, last week, Pastor Chris introduced us to this series with something that's very, very important, and it has to do with, with this not understanding thing and, and then eventually understanding, and that is that when we are born into this world, we are born handcuffed, and, and, and Chris had those handcuffs on. It was such a powerful image, but we are born handcuffed to sin. In fact, the apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that, that when Adam sinned, Adam was the first man that was created on the earth, Adam and Eve were the first man and woman, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and sin brought death, and therefore, Paul says, death spread to everyone. And so now, what that means is that when we are born, we're born into a sinful nature. All of us have that. All of us struggle with that. And listen, this is, this is very important. This is the problem we all have. We all struggle with sin. 
It's the sin nature that we all struggle with. And you know that. I don't even need to tell you that. You struggle with doing the right thing. I struggle with doing the right thing. When we know, sometimes man, I, I really need to do it, but then we don't do it, right? That's a battle that happens between what God would have us do and, and the sin nature. And so all of us struggle with that. But God has provided an answer to that problem. And that's what the Apostle Paul shared about in Romans chapter 5. And I want to read that to you right now. So this is God's amazing answer to our problem of sin. It says this in Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you came here for us. Thank you that you have given us your words that we might know what you would have for us. And God, I thank you that you have revealed yourself through the person of your son Jesus and through your word. And we ask now that you would just begin to change and mold us and transform us inside of our hearts and out into our actions. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So when it comes to God's plan of dealing with our problem that all of us have, our sin problem, the first thing we have to understand is right here in this verse. Paul says, he says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. The first thing we have to understand about God's plan is this, that we are utterly helpless. We are utterly helpless. Now, I love that word utterly. It's something that I think a lot of cows use, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, you'll get that on the way home if you missed it, okay? But I actually love that word because it is just such a rich word. It means just fully, completely, just holy, you know, holy like W-H-O-O-L-O-L-L-Y, not holy as in God is holy, right? It, it just means completely. So we are completely helpless, See, that's the first thing we have to understand. That's the first step that some of you, you know, in your lives, you've been struggling in, and you're wondering, you know, why is God putting me through this? And you've been trying to live your life for God, and, and, and maybe you've been trying to be good enough for God. And, and maybe the first thing you need to understand today is this, that, that no matter where you're at, you cannot save yourself. You cannot deliver yourself from this sin problem. God had to do it. God had to do it. And here's why. God has a standard. And his standard is called perfection. Now, perfection means complete goodness, right? And, and I want to just ask you briefly, how many of you are completely good? Would you raise your hand? Okay, great. There are honest people in here. Either that or you're too afraid. Okay, so, so here's, here's the deal, right? None of us are completely good. That, that's what perfection is. We know that about ourselves. None of us are completely good. And so we realize that we need help. We need a savior. We need something outside of ourselves to deliver us from really ourselves. In fact, we're our own worst enemy most of the time. You, so, you see, so God has a standard of perfection. None of us can meet that standard. And that is why God had to make a plan. And his plan was his son, Jesus. You see, what God did for us is this. He sent Jesus here. He was born of a, of a virgin. He was a little baby. And he grew up in the, in the power of God. He, was, he, he did not sin on the earth when he walked the earth. He did not sin. 
And so therefore, he met God's own standard. God himself, because the Bible says Jesus was God. He was fully God and he was fully man. So, so here's the deal. God himself met his own standard of perfection that we couldn't meet. And then he died on the cross for the sin because God said that there had to be trans, you know, a, a consequence for sin because sin is disobedience against God. In fact, John Piper says that sin is really treasuring anything else above God. And I think that's a really good picture. And we do that all the time, don't we? We treasure a relationship, we treasure money, we treasure whatever it is over God. We do it frequently. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus treasured God the most. And therefore, he never sinned when he walked on this earth. And then he went to the cross where we should have been because sin requires a penalty of death. But Jesus took on our sin on the cross. And then... Three days later, God raised Jesus back to life again, where Jesus overcame sin and death forever. And I love what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that now Jesus offers us a brand new life in Him. And it's amazing that we can have that. You know, and the Apostle Paul even thought that was amazing. In fact, he kind of used some, some very uh, interesting phrase, phraseology, if you will, in the next verse. He said this, in verse 7, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Now, I think it's a kind of a funny thing that Paul did here because Paul basically says, now listen, most of you, you will not do anything unless you're going to get a return on it for the most part. And Paul said, you know, that, that's, just, that's just your nature. And so he was talking to a group of people, but really Paul's talking to all of us too right? We don't naturally want to go and just sacrifice time or money or effort into things if we don't have a, a return coming back to us. I mean, isn't that true? I think for the most part, that's, that's mostly true for us. We don't naturally seek to do that. And Paul's kind of making that point. You know, Paul says, listen, you know, for a good person, you're definitely not going to die, right? For a really, really good person who has blessed you, who has provided for you, who, who has loved you, you know, you 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 might be willing to take a bullet for them, but probably not. I mean, let's be serious, right? If somebody had a gun and they were about to pull the trigger, you'd probably run the other way. You know, and so Paul's making a point here, and he's saying, listen, here's the deal. Most of you are not willing to give up your time, your effort, your money for anybody else. And that's what Paul was saying to the crowd. That's what Paul's saying to me. That's what Paul's saying to you. But he said, that, that's your nature. That is, here it is, your sin nature. Your sin nature focuses on yourself. And Paul's making a point here, contrasting. He's saying that the difference is God's nature is not your nature. And so he goes on in the next verse, and he says this in verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Listen, if you have a Bible or you have a smartphone with a Bible app on it, I want you to underline that verse. While we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus went to the cross while you and I were still sinners, while we were still denying his existence, while we were spitting in his face, while we were cursing him with the biggest words we knew how, while we were just making him, his name dirt because we didn't love him, we didn't trust him, we didn't know him, we didn't care about him because he just seemed so mean and ridiculous. Even in that disgusting state, Jesus died for you and for me. 
And I don't know if you've ever been truly honest with yourself, but there have been times where that has been me in that natural state. God, why'd you do that? That seems so mean. Why did you let that happen? Why, you know, here's the deal. Even while I was doing that, Jesus was paying for my sin. His sacrifice on the cross paid for my sin. Ladies and gentlemen, that is grace. That is grace. You see, God's grace is good. It really is. Because God died for us. That's amazing. He gave, he met his own standard. He died because that was the penalty of sin. And now he offers us a brand new life. What makes it amazing, Grace, is that God died for us while we still cursed his name. That is just so powerful. And that just gives me hope. And I hope that it gives you hope as well because maybe that's you today. Maybe you're in here and there's everything in you is just wanting to curse God and you just want to be so far away from him. But, you know, there's just something that's drawing you here today. You're not sure what it is. I want you to know something. Even in that state, God loves you and God died for you. And he's inviting you to be a part of his family. That's the amazing thing about God's grace is it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. What matters is that God loves you so much and me so much that he went to the cross for us even when we were the ones who were nailing his hands to it. I mean, honestly, that, that, that just is, that's just crazy. But do you know that God is just crazy in love with us? Okay, and I'm not talking about weird kind of in love. I'm talking about sacrificing everything that we might have a relationship with him. It's incredible. God loves you and I so much that he gave his one and only son. And here's the amazing thing. In order to receive God's grace, Jesus said, there's only one thing that we have to do. That's it, just one thing. Jesus said, the only thing you need to do to receive God's grace and to receive eternal life is believe. In fact, Jesus one time was standing before a large crowd of people, and this large crowd of people were kind of pushing in and asking him, Jesus, you know, what is it that we need to do in order to be saved? And Jesus clearly says, there is only one work that needs to be done, and the work that you need to do is believe in me. That's incredible that God himself says, listen, all you have to do is acknowledge that I'm God and that I love you and that I came here for you and that I died for you. You see, the root of all sin is turning your back on God. It's selfishness. It's pride. That's what it is, saying, I'm better than God. When I think all of us, deep down inside of our hearts, we, we know that's not true. And the Bible makes it very clear that people began to worship the, worship the creation because they put the creation above the creator. That's what sin does. But God says, listen, I want you to realize this. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I care about you. I don't care what you did. I know what you did. I know where you're at. I know what you're struggling with right now. But I just want you to know that I love you. And I think that's why it's so incredible that the fifth top tweeted scripture in the whole world is John chapter 13, verse 7. Because that's how God's grace works in our life. You see, you might be in here today 
and you're just not sure about Jesus at all. And that's okay. We are so glad that you here, you're here. We, we're, we plan for you to be here, actually, because we want you to know this, that that thing you've been looking for in your life, that thing you've been chasing, his name is Jesus. You were created to know God, and sin has separated you from that. And Jesus came here to make right what went wrong with sin. And Jesus said, all you have to do is believe. And when you believe, you receive this new life, this new relationship with him. And, and you know what? You don't understand. You might not understand how God got you into this place today, but you're here, and I want you to know that thing that you, you might not be understanding, you might not be getting, his name is Jesus. And today is the first day of understanding for you. Today is that someday for you. All you have to do is believe. Now, others of you, you might have been believing Jesus for, you know, a week, a day, an hour, I don't even know, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And you're still not sure, you know, what, what's, what's going on? I'm still struggling with this. And I just want you to know this today, okay? I want you to know this, that God's grace still works like this. We don't understand what's going on, but someday, listen, this is Jesus' promise right here. Someday you will. Someday you will. And I want you to hold on to that today. In fact, the Lord kind of gave me two words that I want to share with you that I feel are just so important. Um, and, and, and I don't do this very often, but I really, really felt impressed to share this with you. That the Lord is, is telling those of you who have trusted him as Lord and Savior, he knows where you're at. He knows what you're facing. And he's, but he's calling us to something that is above ourselves. Okay, And here it is, two words. Okay, Enjoy me. Enjoy me. No matter what you're facing, you, your life could be great right now. Praise God. Your life might be a disaster, a tragedy right now. Whatever it is that you're facing, I believe that the Lord wants us who have trusted him as Lord and Savior to enjoy him. Because I think that most people who have become followers of Jesus don't truly grab a hold of enjoying God's grace. Get this. The worst thing that I have ever done, Jesus paid for that. The worst thing that I have ever done, Jesus paid for that. So I'm going to enjoy his freedom. Now, come on, somebody, isn't that important? Shouldn't we enjoy the grace of God if you're a follower of Jesus in here today? And if you're not, if you're not, you can enjoy it. You see, I think God's calling us to just enjoy him. Because... Here's what happens when we enjoy God. Jesus says, as you love me more and more and more and more, you're going to obey me. And, and here's the thing. When you obey me, because I'm God and I know how everything works, right? When you do what I say for you to do, your life is going to be better. It's incredible how that works. But notice that Jesus didn't say, obey me to be, you know, to be accepted by me. No, what he says is, just love me. Just love me. Just love me. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're a follower of Jesus in here, just enjoy him. Just enjoy him. All right, so at this time, let, let's close our eyes and, and bow our heads. And, and just before the Lord this morning, maybe, maybe you're the person in here today who needs to make that decision for the very first time. You've been seeking something. You haven't been understanding what's going on, but today is your someday. In this moment, all you need to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe that you came here for me 
lived a life I couldn't live, died a death I should have died, and was raised back to life again and offered me a new life. I believe that. I accept it. Thank you. Others of you in here today, maybe you need to, before the Lord this morning, say, Lord, I'm so sorry I haven't enjoyed you. I'm so sorry that I've been so caught up in trying to understand what's happening in my life that I've completely forgotten to love you. Would you just lay that before the cross this morning? Would you lay that before God in this moment and allow him to fill you up and allow him to bring you joy, unexplainable joy that's yours today? Just enjoy him. Would you just enjoy him in this moment? trusting you as our Lord, as our Savior. And God, as we do that, and for those of us who have done that, I pray that you would put inside of our hearts now, as we have laid down our worries, as we have casted our cares onto you, in this moment, would you fill us up with joy that we might enjoy you? Would you encourage us as we trust you, as we put you first, as we get into your word as we long to know you more and more. Would you do that right now inside all of us, in our hearts? Help us enjoy you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul said something amazing after he shared those verses that we studied earlier. He said in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, this is amazing. It really is. He said, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ, this is, this is just incredible, has made us friends with God. That's amazing because Paul says naturally we're enemies of God, but now we are friends because of what Jesus has done for us. And listen, the greatest witness to the world that we belong to Jesus is a people who loves their God and allows their God to love them back. Who enjoys Him and it just embraces His grace. And so as we go out of here today, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to extend God's glory, to be a witness for Jesus by just enjoying Him and enjoying His grace. In fact, that's our commitment for today. It says, I will enjoy the grace of God as I extend His glory this week. I want to encourage you to do that as you leave this place today. All right? All right, amen. Let's do it.